Shalom Aleichem and a good Erev Shabbos, dear friends. I want to try to relate to the powerful word, Eicha. The word that we say, and as we say it, our heart breaks, and our lips tremble, and may it be the will of the Creator of the world, that this year we should we should not read Megillus Eicha, or certainly not with the understanding that we have it, which is an understanding of pain and suffering. The Midrash Eicha Rabbah darshans these first few words in Megillus Eicha, Eicha Yeshva Badad, how can it be? How is it that she sits all alone? Amar Levi. It's an analogy to a queen that she has three companions. One of the companion or friends, uh, friends, um, accompaniers. The one of them sees her in her honor when she's standing there wearing her royal garb, wearing her crown with the king. And one that sees her in her reckless and disgraceful behavior and the one that sees her in her state of being fallen, exiled, disgraced. Yirmiya saw her in this last state. The first two were Moshe Rabbeinu and the Navi Yishaya. These are the three places where we see Eicha. Is Moshe Rabbeinu in this week's Parsha says, Eicha Esa Tirchachem how can I bury, how can I bear your burdens, your your disputes? And Rashi there explains that why is it so difficult to bear? No problem, you just judge everyone, punish whoever needs to get punished, and uh, and um, you know, make laws. What, what, what's so difficult? So he says, no, because since the Jewish people are so great, and so important. We know that Kalashar compared to Kokhvei Hashamayim Larov. We're so big, we're so Choshev, like the stars of the heavens. And so the judgment of every Jew is so weighty and so important. And if Moshe Rabbeinu messes up, he's punished so severely, like we see with the Meimiriva, where Moshe Rabbeinu spoke disparagingly to Kalashal, he called them rebels, and he got angry, and because of that, he can't come into Eretz Yisrael. So, because Hashem takes so seriously, any wrongdoing, in relation to the Jewish people, because of our, Chavivus, because of how much beloved we are to Him, of how, of how great we are, of how lofty we are, that's, so Moshe Rabbeinu, is the Shushvin, this accompanier, 
this friend of the queen who sees her in her honor and her greatness, that the level of belovedness that the Jewish people bear from Hashem, the, that Hashem has towards the Jewish people, that Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, Eicha, how can such a thing be? The Navi Yishaya asks, Eicha, how, how can you be behaving like this? How can a queen go and act in such a disgusting and promiscuous manner and go and be worshipping idols and be doing all the disgusting things that you're doing? And then finally, Yirmi Novi asks, Eicha, Yeshva Badad, how can such a thing be that she sits in solitude? So, it means over here, Eicha, how? How can such a thing be? Whenever, when do I ever ask, how can such a thing be? You only ask such a question when this is not the normal thing. You don't say, how? How can it be that this apple grows on the tree? We don't ask that question. Because apples grow on the tree all the time, even though it might be a very, very wonderful thing. But that's not a question of how. Eicha, how? How can such a thing be? That's a question that's asked when something is completely extraordinary, extraordinary, out of the ordinary. Something deviates from normalcy. If you see an elephant flying, you say, Eicha, how can such a thing be? How can an elephant who's so heavy fly every time you see an airplane you don't say Eicha because that's normal maybe the first time the airplane was saw people said it how? how can it be? how can a metal thing like this bigger than a car how can it fly in the air? so that's Eicha so there's three points of Eicha there's Eicha of how can a people be so great that's Moshe Rabbeinu's question then is Yeshaya how can a people behave so despicably? How can a queen, I should say, behave so despicably? And Yirmiya is, how can a queen who is the epitome of honor and beauty be in such disgrace and be so filthy? Obviously, these three are related. When someone is so outstandingly great that it defies normalcy, that's the Jewish people, so then, as a result of that, connected to that, is why that person will potentially go and do something so out of the ordinary in in behaving incorrectly. And the Maral Nesach Yisrael in the second paragraph explains, it's a fascinating Chazal, the Gemara in Brochus and Abdallah with base says that in Ashrei we leave out the letter Nun. We don't have a posuk corresponding to the letter Nun because it's going to elicit the concept of the Jewish people falling, like the Pasuk says, Nafla lo sosiv kum. She's fallen and she will not continue to get up.
So, the Maral explains that why specifically the Nun represents falling down. Because the Nun is a letter that if you imagine a, a Nun Sofit, a straight letter, it's just a straight line. It has no arms to the side, so to speak, to, to grab onto things. It has no width to it. It's, it doesn't have an ability to connect to different sides, similar to a Vav in that regard, but a Vav, in many other regards, is very much connected. A Vav is a letter of the Vav HaChibur. It's a Vav of connection, of connectivity. The word Vav means to connect. Like a, a, a Vav means a, a shepherd's hook, which hooks onto something. Um, is the number six, whereas a nun is from a language of nefila. It's the number fifty, which is in in the middle. It's there's ten, twenty, thirty, forty before it, and there's sixty, seventy, eighty, ninety after it. It's it's in between. It's it's no. It's it's all by itself. It's not anywhere where there is where it can connect to and find a balance thanks to something else. And so the moral there explains that this means that specifically to the Jewish people who are outstanding. The Jewish people about whom it says, Eicha, how? How can it be? How can you be this? Everybody else around you, the whole world around you, live as normal people. They live, they have families. They try to be good if they can, if not, whatever. The definition of good is that which is beneficial to others around them. And here you are, living a life of Avodos Hashem, a life of transcendent commitment to a truth so great and so powerful that everything in this world pales in comparison you stand alone, you, the queen, only there with the king, with no one else near you. Everyone else is in awe. But that means that you have nothing to balance you out, nothing to grab onto. Powerful analogy that we can think of is the difference between fish and birds. A fish is surrounded by water. It's connected to all the water around it. It moves through it, but it's connected to it. And it gives it buoyancy, stability. When's the last time you heard of a fish breaking a fin and falling down to the ocean floor and hitting its head on a rock? Right? It's not going to happen because even a dead fish floats. It's, it's surrounded by its natural habitat. A fish is physical and surrounded by water which is physical and so it's extremely stable. It's an extremely stable existence the fish has. All the way the opposite of that is a bird. A bird is a physical entity. Something that has weight. Something that's solid. And yet it's flying in the air. That's awesome. It's an awesome sight to see. It's Eicha. If you never saw a bird, if all you ever saw was fish and animals, you say, I understand. I understand. An animal has a weight, has solid, air is nothingness, uh, more or less. And birds, 
uh, are totally different. Fish and animals are aimed to the ground or to the water, whatever it may be. They can jump up a little bit, and they fall back down. A bird, it soars, it flies in the sky. You can watch them in amazement. Eicha, how can such a thing be? How can a physical thing soar in the sky? It's unbelievable. But of course we understand that, there's a, that that same greatness is what makes it that if an animal twists his ankle, so he'll just stand there. doesn't fall. A bird, if it breaks its wing, while mid-flight, if someone shoots at its wing, hits it, it, it falls like a rock. It falls like a rock from whatever height it's at, soaring high, high as, as far as the eye can see, and it falls all the way down, breaks every bone in its body with that crash, and falls onto maybe a rock, maybe something hard. It's, it's the same characteristic. It's a result of, of the fact that it soars so high above everything else, that it stands... completely transcendent from all physicality. That is the same reason why when it falls, it falls so hard. And that's the Jewish people. And that's why the Eicha of Moshe Rabbeinu, how, how can people be so great living a life of commitment and divine service and closeness to Hashem? That same Eicha is what translates, when Chas Sholem, we break a wing, something goes wrong, it translates into a great fall. And that's what the Navi Yishaya saw, people behaving in terrible and despicable ways, that fall, falling, 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 falling. How far can you fall? An animal can only fall a few feet to the ground, where from its height that it stands at. A, a fish cannot fall at all. Because it's, it's surrounded by water. But a bird falls, 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 and keeps on falling. That's what Navi Yishaya saw. And Yirmiyahu Navi saw the bird smash into the rock on the ground and lie there bleeding. There's never been a fish that took such a big hit when it broke a fin. There's never been a rabbit it fell so hard when he twisted an ankle. Only a bird can fall so hard and be so bloodied from it. That's what Megillus Eche is saying. Maral, in beginning of Natsach Yisrael, say for Natsach Yisrael, brings a Midrash, Bereshis Rabbah, where Hashem says to Avram Avinu during the Briz Beit Basarim, Yadola Teda, know you shall know that the Jewish people, are, your, your offspring, are going to be exiled. So the Midrash there says, Yadola Teda, know you shall know. Know now, and you shall know later. Know now that your children will be exiled from the land. But you'll know later that they're going to be gathered back in. 
Know now that your children are going to be scattered across the world. But you'll know in the future they're going to be gathered back together. I mean, the first one is just exiled from the land, but maybe together. The second one is scattered, not together, not unified. But in the future you know that they will be reunified with one another. Know now that your children will be enslaved by others, will be subjugated by others. But you will know in the future that they will be safe from that subjugation. What is this connection between the knowing of the bad and the knowing of the good? What's the juxtaposition? So the morale explains that from the fall you can see the greatness. The analogy that we can give is if you've ever been to an amusement park and they have, whether it be a, a, a pirate ship or a rocket ship or something where you have a ride where there is a where where the thing swings like a pendulum swinging ever higher and higher and higher in in a, in a in a circle going back and forth back and forth clockwise counterclockwise clockwise counterclockwise each time going higher and higher until it reaches the pinnacle where basically whichever way you spin when you go clockwise and you reach almost the 12 o'clock mark, and then you swing all the way back counterclockwise, almost reaching the 12 o'clock mark again. And yet, in one of them, you're going backwards, and another one you're going forwards. The two of them are opposite directions. The, one of them is about as far as you could possibly from the other. One is you've gone forward as far as you could possibly go, and either one of you have gone back as far as you can possibly go. So two of them are absolute polar opposites. And yet, to a certain extent, they carry so much in common. In both cases, you're way high up in the ride. In both cases, when you look over your shoulder, in one case it's to the right, in one case... You look over your shoulder and you can see the same... Um, views, because in both cases you are high up. In both cases you're upside down, with your head is almost upside down. So the similar, although the two of them are so drastically different, but the similarities are unbelievable. Means from the tremendous depth of the goals, from the exile from the land, from the scattering of the Jewish people, from the subjugation, that there is, from all those things, you see the fact that there's going to be a returning to the land, a regathering, a reunification of the people, and a throwing off of the yoke of the subjugation. That's what the moral explains over there. And it works so beautifully with what we're saying, what we're seeing over here in Echa. That it's the same Echa. How can it be? How can I go so high? And how can it fall so low? And the answer is it's the same thing. It's because you have that unbelievable neshama. It's because you're so outstanding. That's why you've fallen so much and that's why you've been hurt so much. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu is seeing in the Jewish people. And that's why when 
if comes this Tisha above, we're still crying. And we're crying our bitter tears. More bitter than any people have ever cried. For thousands of years. We can understand that this comes, this level of bitterness is a result of the truly outstanding greatness, splendor that the Matronisa, that the Queen has in standing with the King in the palace and that we can be rest assured also that we will be consoled. Shabbos Nachamu will be consoled and returned back to our former glory, to our closeness, to the Boreolum. And people will once again look at the Jewish people and say, Eicha, how can there be such a people? So dedicated, so committed, so noble, so beautiful, so gracious, so wise, so righteous, so close to the Creator of the world, the Chavez.